0: Is all politics local, or has the entertainment news industry made all politics national? We discuss with the mayor of the village of Greenwood Lake, New York, population 3,301, Jesse Dwyer. Then, The Daily Callers, Amber Athey, and The Daily Wire's Amanda Prestigiacomo join the panel of deplorables to talk Ted Cruz's porn preferences, uncontacted Amazon jungle tribes, and my cousin Hillary Clinton's latest tinfoil hat rantings at the launch of her terrible book. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. I couldn't even get it out of my mouth my second cousin once removed Hillary's book it's so it's such an upsetting event that she's going to be going on this tour and showing her face but probably it's good for republicans so anyway today we always talk about national politics we talk about president trump we talk about big trends we talk about the sky high view We never talk about local politics. We never talk about politics on the ground, what it's really like for people who are going out there, pressing palms, going to spaghetti dinners, and what regular Americans in that little sliver of the country between L.A. and New York are thinking and what their lives are like and what they're talking about beyond just the latest Trump tweet and all of the reaction to it. So uh, I I would like to talk about local politics today. I want to talk about the real nitty-gritty because I think – Basically, the problem with all political shows right now is that the reason that they, like sports predictors, very often get their predictions wrong is because they don't actually go out there and talk to voters. And so they miss that huge swath, that majority. But not us, majority. Michael. Not us. But not us, because we press the palms and we've got these great experts who are coming in. So, uh, you know, I think former House Speaker Tip O'Neill really made the blanket statement on this when he said, all politics is local. Now he's a Democrat, so he's probably wrong. And here is Newt Gingrich explaining why he's wrong. Well, first of all, O'Neill was wrong. All politics is not local. It wasn't even local when he was speaker. Uh, when, it, when in the Vietnam War, uh, the draft was extended to college
1: students, every college student in every congressional district in the country noticed it the same weekend. So it wasn't local. Uh, its impact may be local. Second, we live
0: in a national media. Uh, In the last month of the campaign, Rush Limbaugh will talk to a national audience. Uh, Sean Hannity will talk to a national audience. A national audience will read the Wall Street Journal editorial page or the New York Times editorial page. People will wake up and turn on the Today Show and Good Morning America and Fox & Friends and CBS Morning News. And they're going to get a national conversation. So if one party has a huge advantage in that national conversation, That party has big advantages in turnout and in winning. Now it is my distinct pleasure to bring on my friend of many years, the mayor of Greenwood Lake, New York, and also partner of Red Pillar Political Consulting, Mr. Jesse Dwyer. Jesse, thanks for coming on.
2: Michael, thanks a lot for having me, man.
0: So, Jesse... So it's
2: funny you mention those spaghetti dinners, because I'm pretty sure you and I have at least attended about a thousand of them together, right?
0: <laughs> I should, I should. Uh, for, for the people who are listening and watching, I should say Jesse and I have worked on about 100 million campaigns together in suburban New York and rural New York. We have been to a million spaghetti dinners. We have been to train stations. We have talked to a lot of voters on a lot of campaigns. Some of those campaigns unexpectedly won. Uh, a lot of those campaigns did not win because new york is left of lenin but jesse that's why i wanted to bring you on i feel like you can bring a great perspective that is completely missing from political news shows which is it is all politics local or is all politics national
2: i think you hit the nail on the head um you know the the national media they're going to focus on national issues and unfortunately it's turned into the wwf and uh, (laughs) increased ratings and trying to get everybody's attention and everything is is uh Uh, really erratic and and everybody's, you know, it's it's high stress levels and they're getting ratings and they're getting viewers because of this high stress. So uh, that's getting into local people's television, but that doesn't mean that local people in in rural areas and middle-class areas really care too much about national issues. Uh, It may grab their attention, but they're certainly not voting on it. It's not affecting their school taxes. It's not affecting their roads that are in front of their house. It's not affecting, uh, you know, property disputes. And it's not affecting what I believe to be things that will drive uh, middle-class people to the polls on both local as well as national issues. You know, it's, uh, you've got two different things here. You've got the democratic machine in the inner cities where it doesn't matter about national politics. They do exactly what they're told. They're gonna Mm -hmm. vote Democrat. Then you've got everywhere else in America, which I would say is predominantly the Republican party, right? That's where everybody else uh, who voted for Trump outside of the major cities. They're more focused about school taxes, school issues, getting jobs and the things that matter most to them and I would argue are more local issues than national issues.
0: And the the national news media and the big political shows they never talk about it because you're right it's like the WWF <laughs> and and it's probably yeah. For, I think, a lot of people in a lot of small towns, it's like the WWF also in that you can talk about it. You talk about it just like you watched a ball game or you watched a reality TV show or you watched some event. It's fun. It's gossip. It's entertaining. But it isn't your property taxes. It isn't your school taxes. It it just does not affect your life.
2: Right. It's become all about entertainment. And uh, you watch Fox News or CNN, and they're both all about entertainment and hype. And, you know, look at the storm. The storm was literally a 10-day extravaganza, <laughs> just trying to hype it up and get as much people, you know, as many people scared as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does serve a valuable purpose, you know, you alerting people to potential danger. Uh, but they literally will drag out any piece of energetic or stressful information out as long as they possibly can. And it does get attention. It does bring people together. And I think uh, uh, Speaker Gingrich was correct, and people are following this information. But I certainly don't think. It is what genuinely drives people to the polls and will determine the elections. On in congressional point,
0: election. On that point, yeah. I think we should point out Rush Limbaugh was absolutely right and vindicated here. He predicted a week ago that Hurricane Irma was being hyped for ratings. When he was forced to evacuate, yeah. they raked him over the coals. They called him a hypocrite. They said it was awful. And then it turns out he was absolutely 100% right. So another, uh, another chalk for Rush Limbaugh. Now, Jesse, as a mayor... What are your priorities? You're a mayor of a local government, small town. What are your priorities? I assume it's Melania Trump's shoes, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> those are the issues that my <laughs> constituents care most about. Which um, shoes are, are they? Which no, are
0: wearing the sneakers?
2: <laughs> right. It's, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I know you're going to talk about Ted Cruz's little porn incident. Like, who cares about that? It was, it was an accident. Well, there it goes the next half of our show. Bob Menendez. <laughs> You know, why, why aren't they focusing about Bob, Bob Menendez's trial? They're looking at, you know, Ted Cruz. Some staffer tweeted this out because it's, it's interesting. People are going to see the link. They're going to click on it. It's going to mm-hmm. drive viewers. It's going to get support. People in my community, they don't care about that stuff. You mentioned Ted Cruz. They probably, half of them don't even know who he is, and he ran for president. They just don't care. You know, they care about the lake. They care about the infrastructure in our community. They care about our schools, our roads. Uh, you know, those are the issues they care about. When you hear someone like Donald Trump talking about those issues, Talking about infrastructure and jobs, you know, that's those are local issues that affect people locally. They're not it's talking not about which
0: bathroom you can use or which gender you think you are. They're talking about things that, that matter: jobs, exactly. the infrastructure.
2: Right. Those are those are inner city issues where the Democrats, I would argue, are you know focused on those things and 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 they're following the Democratic agenda for the most part. And us out here in rural America and the middle class and the Republican Party, uh, we care about the real things. You know, the the jobs. Uh, what kind of a future our kids are gonna have in the school districts and things like that.
0: Thank you for validating a perspective I've had now for, I guess, six months or nine months, which is whenever Donald Trump tweets something, People lose their minds, their heads explode. They say, oh my gosh, it's going to get us into war. It's going to undermine this bill. It's going to stop this legislation, yada, 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 yada. And my reaction almost across the board is that I don't care, other than the kofefe tweet, which I really loved. But I just don't. Who cares? I mean, I enjoy it. I find it entertaining. Uh, In so much as he affects conservative policy, I'm happy. In so much as he does nothing, I'm also happy (laughs) as a conservative myself. But I think that the point that half of your constituents might not have even heard of Ted Cruz, I think that is true around the country. And it's so easy for us in political media to lose sight of the, the fact that I guarantee you nobody in your community and very few people in any other community have ever heard of Jim Gilmore. He ran for president too. The only reason they heard of George Pataki is because he was the governor of their state, that those priorities, do you think that plays into why political pundits on the national level are so often wrong?
2: I I think you might have a point on that. Um, You know, I think, I think they're probably wrong is because they, they constantly have to find the next thing. They constantly have to, I have the 10-day news cycle showing the uh, this storm, and they have to predict it because they have to be on TV. They have to be talking about it, and they're doing that for everything. They're making predictions. They're always making some sort of a guess, and they're they're sticking by it. They're following through with it, uh, and I think it's because they feel compelled to just constantly have some sort of a stressful, energetic, uh, uh, you know, component on the TV. So do you, that's what they're doing. So I think they're constantly yeah.
0: Do you think pundits need to go press the flesh and go work on a few campaigns and eat spaghetti dinners like you and I have done? Do you think that would help their predictions? Or do you think these crazy there, predictions are just built into the system?
2: There's literally nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's going to happen. <laughs> they, they understand that there are senior citizens literally sitting in front of Fox News, scared to death that something is going to happen. And they feel that their success rating is... Is going to go up if they can make that senior citizen constantly watch them mm-hmm. uh, or you know the the tax-paying citizen who can't pay their bills and they're just going to watch these things
0: i'm a 27 and year old who just anything. constantly watches these things too
2: <laughs> that's because you're in the business you know i don't really watch it i don't watch news all the time and most of the time i don't watch fox news or cnn because it's constantly this uh, aggravating uh, loud music stressful you know, they're trying to get your attention, they're trying to make you believe that the problems are far worse than they really are. And I don't want to do that. I have enough problems that we're dealing with in my community for me to not give a crap about what's going on in, uh, in Florida, quite frankly. You know, it doesn't matter to me. It's an interesting thing that I'd like to see every once in a while, but my priorities as a local mayor is ensuring that our, uh, our lake is clean, that our roads are swept, that our roads are, are properly paved and the na- neighbor disputes are handled properly. You know, I don't really care. I, I have sympathy for the residents of Florida, but I don't need to hear about it for ten days. That's what their local media should be focusing on. <laughs> uh, but I don't need—I don't need to see that up here in New York State. I really couldn't care less. I understand that there are a lot of people who have houses in Florida, but you know, that's what it is. In my opinion, they feel compelled to drag out whatever news they get and elaborate on it as much as they possibly can because that's what gets people interested.
0: And Jesse, you'll forgive me, but I'm and just you know, writing how, down. You're probably going to
2: so- do the same thing, aren't right. you?
0: Uh, well I'm just I'm just writing down some of the advice you're giving me for my own show. I need louder music. I need to scare yeah. senior citizens. Do I will right, get the Higher full producer li- salary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, we're definitely going to scratch that one. So that that everything you've said makes perfect sense. I've always uh, assumed this to be the case having been on the campaign trail with a number of politicians and with you as well. Now going back to the national politics that we constantly have to talk about to scare senior citizens. What is your impression? If I watch Fox News or CNN or MSNBC, especially if I read the New York Times or Washington Post, I get the feeling that not a single person in this country supports President Trump, that they all are outraged, he's going to lose in a landslide in 2020. What is your reaction on the ground talking to your constituents? Do you, do you think that they're, they support the president? Do you think it's mixed, or everyone's against him? <laughs>
2: Well, it seems apparent that his personality is horrendous for the position. Um, <laughs> but what do you really feel, Jesse? What look, do you really think? If, if you look, no, it, it is. I mean, he's got this uh, this WWF personality that, that fits perfectly into hyping everything up. But if you look at his accomplishments, what he did before he became president, what he's doing as president, you can certainly see that he's very well qualified for the position. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, has the, uh, he has the smarts. He has the know-how. He has the negotiating skills. He was put into a very complicated uh, situation coming in with a Congress who, I think, almost unanimously opposed Donald Trump. So he wasn't really able to accomplish much with their support. But we'll obviously take that up with our local congressmen uh, when it comes for that election. But, you know, listen, I think Donald Trump's doing a great job as president. He's handled these hurricanes very well. He's been down there. And even though he's getting criticized left and right, about shoes and hats and all these other ridiculous things. Uh, He did a very good job. You can hear that from all of the elected officials in both Texas and Florida. And uh, he's got a long way to go. he's got a long road ahead of him. And I think he's gonna do a great job considering the circumstances that he's in. And uh, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing some of the progress that he makes with our country. Well,
0: you know, what you have just said is something, it is exactly the opposite of what every smart elite political pundit is saying. Uh, With the exception of Ann Coulter, Ann Coulter made the same point, which is, I think, the, the common view right now is that President Trump is effective and was elected because of his personality, because he's mean, he's a bully, he takes the fight to the Democrats, and he wasn't elected because of his issues. People don't really care about the issues. People don't really care about what he'll affect. All they care about is that fun, mean, angry personality. And what you've said and what a lot of people that I've talked to in local politics have said and also Ann Coulter, is it's exactly the opposite. He was elected despite his personality because his issues were so popular. Putting America first on manufacturing, as he says, or renegotiating certain trade deals, or just turning the whole focus onto jobs and deregulation and uh, constitutional originalism. And all of the other stuff is just a circus to surround what people really care about.
2: Well, the the Democrats and other sore losers uh, who didn't vote for him and didn't support him and who are bitter, they're never going to like him. They didn't like him to begin with. They're not going to like him now. They're not going to give him a chance. Uh, But if you look at middle class America and and people like me, people like you, uh, you had Dr. Hayworth on yesterday. We're giving him a chance because he is our president. And the future of our country depends on his success. So We have to help him. We have to encourage him. We have to support him. Whether you agree or disagree, you have to support our president. And, uh, you know, he's not getting much help with Congress. He's not getting much help with uh, certain state leaders. But at the end of the day, we need to support him. And I'm certainly optimistic because, uh, you know, I did vote for him. I do think that he's uh, he's doing a great job so far. But, you know, he's not getting, uh, he's not getting a very good hand. You bring up he's had people.
0: trouble with Congress. He has had trouble with Congress. He's sort of new to politics. He's never held elected office before. You're not new to politics. You've, you're a veteran of it compared to the president. Do you have any advice for the guy on how to make better deals with Congress and get some legislation passed?
2: So I I had a professor in in college uh, who became a friend of mine and a a mentor, and he gave me this advice when I first got into politics. He said, local politics, contrary to uh, congressional politics and national politics, is hand-to-hand combat. So it is vastly different what I have to do than what, say, the president or a Mm -hmm. congressperson or an assemblyman has to do in that I work and live. And represent among my constituents. You know, I'm here every day working with them. You're gonna see them uh, all the literally time. Literally, I will pass someone on the street, and they'll either give me a high five or want to, you know, slap me in the face. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> they'll give you a one-fingered
0: them. high five. Yeah.
2: Right. But you know, advice that I could give to the president is very difficult because this, his position that he's in now is vastly different than business. It's vastly different than his experience that he had. He's uniquely qualified in that no one could essentially assume the office of the presidency and have all of the tools necessary to be prepared everybody's govern a a very large state. Um, But I I would say that, you know, he is prepared with all the business skills uh, far more than I was to become mayor, although I I run a business myself, but you know, he's dealt with lobbyists, he's dealt with Congress, he's dealt with all these things. He can certainly get things done. And I think if he were a different man who had a different background and didn't say crazy things before he was elected, (laughs) he would have had a a little little bit more assistance in accomplishing things uh, in the outset of his presidency.
0: It's hard to tell how much of the personality helps him, how much of it hurts him. One good bit of advice that he gave to himself, of course, is despite the constant negative press, cafe. that might sum it up. We need to bring on, <laughs> Jesse, will you stick around for our panel?
2: Absolutely.
0: All right, we've got to bring on the panel of deplorables. We have a great one today. We have uh, Amber Athey from the Daily Caller, and we have Amanda Prestigiacomo from the Daily Wire. And I want listen. We've just been two schlubs talking the whole time. Now we have these ladies who are coming on the panel. But if you don't subscribe to the Daily Wire, you can't see the rest of the show. I'm sorry, but you got to go to DailyWire.com right now. It's ten bucks a month, one hundred dollars a year. You get me. You get the Andrew Clavin show. You get the Ben Shapiro show. Who cares? I know none of that matters. What really matters. Is the leftist tears tumbler. Oh my gosh. The most, the single most coveted vessel for imbibing any liquid, but especially those salty and delicious leftist tears. You're gonna have them hot or cold. So go over there right now, dailywire.com. And we and by the way, I have to make one more announcement. We are very shortly on Tuesday, September 19th, at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, going to have a private chat with Ben Shapiro. If you're a subscriber, you get to uh, send in your questions. He will answer your question. He's just going to go down the list. He's not going to be hopping around picking his favorite questions. You'll get your question answered, time permitting, of course, but you've got to subscribe right now. Everyone will be able to watch it. It'll be streamed on Facebook, but only subscribers can ask the questions. So if if the leftist years Tumblr didn't get you, there's another incentive. Go over there right now and we'll be right back. Ted Cruz broke the Internet this morning when someone screenshotted an apparent like from his Twitter account that suggested Senator Cruz had been interacting with smut. With that, I bring on my panel. I bring on mixed company. Amber, thank you for coming your first time on the panel. It is a great story. But was it Cruz or was it just some staffer?
1: I would almost have to bet that it was just a staffer, um, as you all know. (laughs) I know, unfortunately. Uh, But as you all know, most of these Twitter accounts of senators and representatives are almost entirely run by either cons directors or lower-level staffers that sort of take care of everything. Um, So I don't know if it was done intentionally. I'm sure that the crew's Twitter account doesn't follow any porn sites. Mm -hmm. So my guess is that maybe they were on some kind of tweet deck or they were searching for some kind of hashtag and finger accidentally brushed a like button.
0: So you uh, don't, you don't course- think that it was some staffer who was up to no good in the halls of one of the buildings up on Capitol Hill?
1: As fun as that story would be, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't think that's the case. I think this is a whole lot, uh, lot to do about nothing.
0: Amanda, can you please bring back some smut after that real letdown? Do you think it makes any sense whatsoever that Senator Cruz was perusing pornography and interacting with pornographers on Twitter? Does that story hold together at all?
3: Um, well, I mean, Rafael Cruz assassinated JFK, I so I would not put anything that. past true. Ted Cruz. I mean, maybe he is promoting porn. I wouldn't put it past this family to do something like that. Relatively, the porn um, is
0: pretty I- innocent compared to murdering a president.
3: True. So again, we can't put anything <laughs> past this, up uh, past uh, the Cruz family. Um, but but in all seriousness, Amber's correct. I mean, these things are not actually run by uh, these senators. Or I mean, if you remember Hillary Clinton's, um, like her her email and her Twitter, it was all like millennial pop stuff. So again, these are just like young interns. Um, it, it was not it was not Ted Cruz, mm-hmm. unfortunately, because that would be a great story.
0: All right, Jesse, does it ma- let's assume that Ted Cruz was looking at some naked ladies on his computer. Does it matter? Does it change our view of Cruz? Will it affect his job as a senator? D- is there any Certainly it's a it's a scintillating story, but is there any implication for him as a politician?
2: There's one thing I would disagree with first, and that's that uh, I'm pretty confident that Trump's Twitter handle with all the grammatical errors, <laughs> is certainly run by <laughs> I think exact. it's him <laughs> oh, <right. laughs>
3: That's true. That's he true. is
2: absolutely the exception to the rule, because I do, Michael and I know firsthand, these congressmen and senators, they have sometimes a dozen people, if not more, running their Twitter handles and Facebook.
0: He is the exception, though. I remember when, when he tweeted out my book, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, he, people asked what was the strategy, who <laughs> did he have to do it, and it, what he just did it when I was on Fox and Friends. I was on Fox yeah. and Friends, I said something nice about him, and he immediately tweeted it. I, there was no meeting about this, so good on him. I love that he's running his own, and we haven't seen any porn on there, but back to Mr. Cruz, Jesse. Uh,
2: no, I mean, look look at everyone, look at, the, look at all these senators and all these uh, congressmen, they're all doing crazy things, and I don't think that something that minor uh, would have really affected his career, especially in, in in Texas. I don't think he has really a, a tough time getting reelected in the state of Texas. Um, but to be honest with you, I mean, it's just not that big of a deal in this day and age. He Are you suggesting that many people that he- look
0: at Internet pornography, that it's a many billions of dollars a year industry? I am clutching my purse. Uh, I'm i would- shocked.
2: Absolutely, I'm sure you've never done it. You know, the, Not even I. No, I've never even thought about it nope. <laughs> um, but I, I think again. I mean, it, there's so many issues. If you look at all these congressmen and all these uh, senators across the entire country, look at all the crazy things they're doing. Bob Menendez is literally under trial right now for federal bribery, uh, and <laughs> I'm sure he's going to be fine, it, it, unless he gets convicted, in which case he would probably have to resign. But during that entire process, he would probably get reelected. You know, it, it's right. like these people. They just and that's another point to bring it back home. All politics is local. People don't care about Ted Cruz's uh, little, you know, click on a possible porn site, which we all know he didn't do. Um, And people aren't right now caring too much about Bob Menendez. They're worrying about local issues, their school taxes, and what really affects them most. It's not that.
0: Everybody hates Congress, but they love their congressmen. Moving on from civilization into the jungles of Brazil, the New York Times is reporting that uncontacted tribesmen have been killed in the jungles of Brazil. This is the second attack on the uncontacted tribes this year in Brazil, which uh, government has promised to protect them. So, uh, Amanda, there's this great documentary on Netflix. Coincidentally, I just watched it a couple days ago. It's a new documentary on there, and it's called First Contact, Lost Tribe of the Amazon. So one of these guys, he's just come out of the jungle, and he describes a jaguar eating his grandmother. He describes going days at a time, four days at a time, without eating so much as a bite of food. So the first question that comes into my mind is, Why haven't we brought these uncontacted, isolated tribes into civilization? What is it that's keeping us from bringing them into the nice luxury and glories of the civilized world?
3: Uh, I think this is like a good example of this um, fear that people have of being labeled like... um, you know xenophobic or you know all cultures are the same imperialistic I mean, you can't yeah. be imperialistic exactly mm-hmm. and i think this is like a prime example of that is that you know everything is equal no not all cultures are the same and uh this is that example where people are just so scared to um you know show actual civilization you don't have to live like a barbarian but can't do that you'll be a xenophobe and imperialistic so it's it's really sad honestly
0: and it's a, it's a romantic idea amber Uh, It's this romantic Western idea that there's the noble savage who hasn't been tainted or corrupted by our civilization, which is so awful. If only we could go back and live in the trees in nature. But we know it's a terrible life. They eat bugs whenever they can find them. They're hunted down. They have uh, low life expectancies in so much as uh, we can measure how long they live. Very many of these tribes, particularly in the Amazon, can't count above 10. So... Mm -hmm. The the tribes who have come out that we've contacted have almost universally said they they don't want to go back. They love clothing. They like having pots and pans and and food to eat regularly. So what does it say about us that uh, we think that the jungle tribesmen have it better than us who have electricity and our problem is that we're too fat, not too skinny?
1: Well, I think it's sort of this more relativist thing that Amanda was talking about where I, th- I find this is really an issue with liberals where they sort of fetishize these tribes and they view them more as almost endangered species than they do actual human beings. And I'm sorry to interrupt,
0: view- but great use of the word fetish right after we were talking about Ted Cruz's <laughs> porn preferences. Very <laughs> totally well done. Intentional. Please go on. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, but I, I think if we actually are viewing these people as human beings with actual human rights, then mm-hmm. we would recognize that on the whole, it's better for these people to be integrated into society And there's a reason why we ask immigrants, for example, to assimilate to our culture. It's because if you don't, you start to see these um, blatant violations of human rights. You'll notice that, for example, female genital mutilation has been on the rise in the United States. That's been shockingly a major issue. Um, And so this isn't all just people being imperialist and being racist. There's a really good reason why we ask people to assimilate to a certain kind of culture and a certain human rights standard.
0: And it is so dehumanizing you're right to say well those people they look how cute they are running around naked in the jungle. Let, we need to preserve them so that we can go and watch them how how interesting and adorable it all is. Jesse Let's bring it back to local politics. You solve a lot of local disputes. In, in these isolated areas, villagers often report that the tribesmen will raid their villages, they'll steal their things, they'll kill some of them, they'll attack the local villagers. But the villagers are not allowed to respond in kind because the uncontacted tribes are totally protected by those governments. So how should the, in these totally far-flung areas, how should these disputes be resolved?
2: I personally believe that we we shouldn't have much of an involvement in it. Uh, I don't think that we have a right or an obligation to get involved in any situation that's over there in the Amazon. Uh, other than a, any sort of a business interest that our nation may have in that area, which obviously there are many. But I, I happen to believe in an anti-imperialistic view, and I don't think that we should be involved in a lot of do other you, do conflicts you think the, in the Eastern Do you think the local governments should
0: go in and, and try to mediate this or, or bring the tribes out of isolation or basically say laissez-faire, live and let live, You know, just don't uh, do it in the streets and scare the horses?
2: Yeah, I think there are a lot of variables that we just don't understand or comprehend from where we're sitting in America. You know, mm-hmm. the, I would say more than likely, yes, it, it should be up to the local government to determine uh, the outcome of any local tribes, just like we would handle certain, uh, certain situations like that here in America. Keep um, it local. I now self-serving
0: we, of the local mayor. Hmm.
2: Right, right. Just trying to bring it right back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, autonomy we want in our village. Um I, I would say that we, we over here, we shouldn't have anything to do with it. Uh, it should be left up to the local governments of uh, Brazil or, or wherever this was found. And uh, I don't think that we have enough information from where we're sitting uh, or enough perspective to give on how that should be handled. You know, it's great to bring people into a civilized world, but that's what we, we define as a civilized world, just because their life expectancy isn't as high as what uh, standards might, you know, we might expect them to be. That doesn't mean that that's the life they want to live. And although some have come out and said that they wouldn't want to go back to living that way, who's to decide that that's the way that they should live? That They're is the most my-
0: laissez-faire, you isolationist Republican. But you bring up the point of uh, of this these villages and this local government. And speaking of it taking a village, my second cousin twice removed, Hillary Clinton, now says she is convinced that Donald Trump's campaign colluded with Russia to defeat her on the release day of her new book, Uh, presumably a terrible book, what happened? Amber, what do we even mean by collusion at this point? What does that that even imply?
1: Well, it's not even a legal term. Basically, what it means is that members of the Trump administration allegedly were in some kind of contact with the Russian government to sway the election against Hillary Clinton. Um, But let's be honest, this is just another blame game from Hillary. She's done this time and time again. She's blamed everything from Bernie Sanders to sexism to white nationalists, the list goes on and on and on. Of course, it's very convenient for her to say that she is convinced that Trump has uh, colluded with the Russians. Uh, it's just another part of her blame game narrative.
0: Jesse, Hillary's approval rating is lower than Donald Trump's. It's According to an NBC News poll recently, it's at 30%, the lowest ever recorded for her. Is she trying to rehab her image with this book tour, and is, will that work?
2: Well, unfortunately, you know, I hate to say it, but I'm pretty sure she's too old to really uh, make anything of her political career. But what I do think she's trying never to say do is, never, Jesse. Uh, salv- salvage. I'm I'm praying that she does nothing further <laughs> with her political career. Um, but I do think she's trying to salvage uh, the Democrats and try to really put more of the blame on on Donald Trump. And again, she falls in the class of sore losers. Um, I would also say, who cares if the if, if people in the Trump administration or Trump team campaign team did work with Russians to get information which proved that Hillary Clinton was a slimy, borderline criminal and just brought it out to the American people. Yeah, they never talk about what's in the
0: allegations. They just talk about or what's in the documents. They just talk about how they were gotten. But, you know, this does not uh, shine a very nice light on Hillary Clinton.
2: It's, it's all been acknowledged that it wasn't illegal, even if they do find that they were uh, colluding, that some people from the campaign were colluding with Russia or attorneys or people from from the Russian uh, government. But again, they literally just proved that Hillary Clinton was not fit to serve as our president. Uh, just absolutely a, a deplorable. Good you know, use, use of the word. She, <laughs> her career, her entire career was deplorable. And the fact that she made it so far is horrendous and and. You know, I don't think that they did anything wrong. If they did, we've used uh, really uh, sleek tactics to try to get information on our opponents when we work with. It's uh, a diplomatic you know, way to say that. And, <laughs> it's, it's the nature of the beast. But you do, and and I think that uh, the ends justify the means in this case, as long as the uh, the, the means were not illegal.
0: And uh, yeah, as long as long as the ends is getting Hillary Clinton as far <laughs> away from the Oval Office as possible. Amanda, yes. the book is currently number one on Amazon, though it's only been a few hours. What sort of person is ever going to buy this drivel? No one's going to read the book, right? They're just going to put it on their bookshelves and virtue signal.
3: Uh, I think, I think maybe it's like a lot of conservative journalists buying it up right now and they're just like reading it and reporting on the hysteria. Cause, cause the thing is, I actually disagree. I would love for Hillary to stay in politics as long as possible. She is terrible. She's hurting the brand. (laughs) I want her to run forever. I wish her the best of health. Um, Yeah. So I think it's right now there's an onslaught of conservatives buying the book and just laughing at her and promoting the heck out of it. Um, And then we'll see. And, And also I would like to bet that there's like a stack of these books in Hillary's uh, you know, mansions or Mm. or Chelsea's apartment. Um, you know, so that's true.
0: Bubba has to step over them on his way to the humidor. Absolutely right. (laughs) You bring up a great point. Run Hillary, run panel Mm -hmm. of deplorables. Thank you so much for being here. Daily callers, Amber Athey, daily wires, Amanda Presta Giacomo and my buddy, the local mayor, Jesse Dwyer. Now it's time for the final thought. (laughs) Political analysts are like sports commentators. They only focus on the major leagues, and they keep showing up to work no matter how many times their predictions turn out to be wrong. Now, these two character traits are related. Most talking heads have never passed out pom cards to commuters at a train station or sat through a summer of spaghetti dinners at the VFW Hall. Instead, they attend cocktail parties with their fellow political, media, and donor class elite. And that's all well and good. I like cocktail parties. They've read all of the philosophic and social scientific literature, they've crunched the numbers, and they devour every myopic op-ed penned by people who have even less perspective on the voting populace than they themselves. Now, those data points are not without value, but all politics is particular. Politics comprises particular goals, affected through particular people, caused by particular issues. There is a significant, a substantial group of voters that cannot be reached by opinion polls. Richard Nixon called them the silent majority, George W. Bush called them values voters, and Hillary Clinton called them deplorables. Far distant elites cannot pin them down, and yet they often decide American elections. God bless America. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Come back tomorrow. We'll do it all again.